Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to GTP Keeper Radio. That was a very bad audio. Um, that was supposed to be a rainforest, uh, but it wasn't. Bill, are you there, <laughs> buddy? Uh, what happened? Did we have to? Did we have to fire a marshal? Did we have to cut him loose? Um, we're we're renegotiating our contract with Marshall. <laughs> Man, he's holding out for big money. I'm telling you, this is getting crazy. He is. He is. Um, you know what? What are we going to do, Bill? <laughs> I don't know. We just keep we just keep moving along. And if uh, if he wants to be a part of it with his music, so be it. If not, uh, we're just going to have to move on without him. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you, you know, Bill, we work on a very limited budget here at uh, GTP Keeper Radio. Even though we are part of the Morelia Python Radio Network, we are the uh, we're in the way back office. Way way back office. Yeah, uh, I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask you. Are you a little bit uh, nervous with Owen kind of coming in our studio tonight? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, Bill and I normally we're pretty casual when we do the show, but you know we're we're wearing our suits. You know, I shaved and showered. Um, this is almost. Uh, I'm it reminds me of the show where Trooper was on, where uh, Eric and Owen actually let us use their big studio because you know. They flew Trooper in, and with all security, yep. there was no way they would fit in their office. So, um, no, 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 no. Between the, uh, se- between the security and the groupies, uh, yeah, there was no way that was going to happen. So, but ever since then, we've been kind of pushed back. You know, I wouldn't call it a cardboard box, but, you know, two sides are ten. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, yeah. Bill and I are, are doing that okay. Yeah, we we do what we do. And maybe along those lines, uh, buddy, maybe the first order of business um, should be to introduce really what is officially our first GTP Keeper Radio sponsor. What do you think? Absolutely. So Keith Meshkal, who is, uh, you may recognize him as Aru Condro fan, he has a dedicated website and a Facebook page. His website is www w.rocondrofan.com and on Facebook he's rocondrofan and his site and Facebook page are dedicated to the Aru type green tree python in captivity. Their proper husbandry, sharing beautiful pictures, talking to keepers who keep them, and other related news. And he wanted us to let everyone know that Morelia viridis Aru is all we do. So welcome rocondrofan as a sponsor to GT, GTP Keeper Radio. 
Well, very good. I mean, who's not a fan of the Aru locality? I mean, what's not the love? Yep, absolutely. Big, green, blue, and white. Yep. Yeah, well, you know, we talked about it a little bit, uh, buddy, about open opening up the show to sponsorship, and we, for a while, um, really discussed the pros and cons, and we're not going to do it. But as you know, the production costs around here, I mean, they've been skyrocketing. We've got we got studio costs. We're flying in guests, putting them up, uh, you know, paying show writers. we got a producer, special effects. we got a, a best boy and a key grip walking around. I don't even know who half the people in the studio are anymore, but, but those guys don't work for free. So we're, uh, we're glad to have the, the Aru Chondro uh, fan people helping support us. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep, but at the end of the day, Bill and I uh, actually, we make so little money, we actually pay to do it. <laughs> we we do pay to do, we do pay to do it and uh and love every minute of it. Yes we do. Yes we do. Um so as we said Owen is here. He's been really busting our chops. He's here for like a kind of audit type thing and he's been yep. you know looking at our our shoddy paperwork. Um <laughs> we've been in a lot of meetings where we've just been talked to in an Owen type manner, and we just kind of listen and nod our heads and say, "Yes, we'll do, try to do better next." Absolutely, week. and uh, I know he's itching to come on and uh, give his side of the story. Before we bring him on um, and our other guests, we're going to have a really this is going to be a fun packed show. We've got probably a lot of stuff that we're going to get into in the next couple of hours, uh, but I know we usually take a couple of minutes to talk about the MVF goings on. Uh, I know you wanted to talk about a couple of things there before uh, we bring our guests on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, as you know, we got we have quite a following over on the MVF, and uh, one of the uh, members over there, BC Workman, his name's Brandon, and he actually sent me a question and said he's been uh, listening to all the po- podcasts, and he loves the information we're putting out to everyone. Um, but he doesn't think we've talked too much about quarantine with our animals, and I think he could be right. So um, I think that's going to be one of the things we talk about tonight with our guests. Good. I think uh, that's uh, an an excellent topic. Uh, Before we come on, if you want to hit on about one second, uh, I mean, what is your idea of quarantining? What what do you think uh, quarantining, why do we do it, And, and how long is a good quarantine period? Hmm. Lots of good, lots of questions that I don't know if I have all the good answers to. Um, my number one fear has always been mites, and um, yep. I will I will knock on wood and I will say that I've never had mites in my collection, but I'm fairly certain that I've had animals come in with mites. Everyone that I bring in is quarantined and treated as though they're infested, um, and, and I mean everyone, even you know. People like Bill tell me an animal. It's you know it's not a knock against Bill, but they all go through the same quarantine. I'm just very particular about that. Um, I don't have to deal with it. Yep. And then um, you know, as far as a new animal, if I know where it's coming from, I usually give it about 60 days just to you know make sure that if there is anything on the animal that uh, that's contained and just to observe it and make sure it doesn't get sick. Uh, that way, you know, if for some reason it was ill and it came in and wasn't showing any symptoms and it suddenly becomes ill, I prevent any spread. 
also any new animals in the collection are the last animals that I work with um, in the collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't bring many new animals in, too. That's the other thing I do. I, I might bring, you know, an animal in, and, you know, that might be it for, you know, a long period of time. And, and so I don't bring too many animals in, so I don't have to worry about multiple quarantine times and, and those types of things. Um, and along those lines, I'm a, I'm a big fan of wearing uh, – Wearing latex uh, or or nitro gloves, medical gloves, in yeah. between working with animals, um, irregardless whether they've been here for uh, six months or six years, uh, I like to use right. that type of stuff. Um, and I've always got the hand gel going on. But I think like physical quarantining, you know, for me, sixty days. Now, if I if I'm unsure, normally I don't buy it. Um, that's where the best quarantine is. Uh, if you're not sure of the quality, just leave it alone. Um, yeah. But there, occasionally I've, I've had an animal come from someone and, you know, they seem like they're on the up and up, but they don't have much of a reputation. And then those animals, I'm, you know, six months before they yeah. uh, consider them through any type of, uh, you know, period where I'm worried that, you know, I'm going to have, yeah. yep, exactly, introducing yeah. something that may uh, spread to other animals and cause a widespread die-off and all that crazy stuff. Well, I think the other thing that's important to stress is not only the mites, but, uh, you know, we talk about opportunistic infections and just the stress of um, shipping and transferring an animal uh, to a different environment can be enough to bring on, you know, what's called an opportunistic infection. And that's, you know, that's just an infection where the normal bacteria that are thriving in its respiratory and digestive tract because the animal becomes stressed and immunocompromised, those organisms can then take over and, and get out of control, overwhelming its immune system, and then it becomes, you know, an infection, typically a respiratory infection. And uh, right. that's when it can then, you know, pass along uh, those those bugs to other animals in your collection, uh, especially if you're not practicing good hygiene like hand washing and rubber glove wearing and alcohol prep and all that. Right, absolutely. So, you know, that's that's my thought on it. What about you, Bill? What are you doing? Um, pretty much the same thing. Uh, and I think, you know, like you said, uh, uh, adequate quarantine is anywhere from, you know, I say, 60 days to 120 days, unless you see something abnormal between that period, and then you obviously prolong the quarantine. Um, I'm a big fan of taking new animals uh, to the vet just for a routine checkup, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, just if, you, if you're not real familiar with mites, you've never had mites, uh, you know, a vet would be somebody that would be good to be able to help you uh, with those new animals. Just give them a good uh, examination and a fecal examination, um, and I'd feel a lot better about getting a clean bill of health from a vet, clean bill of health from a vet. Uh, and then, you know, you can decrease that quarantine period a little bit. Right. Good point. That uh, brings us along to the the second thing we wanted to talk about just briefly before I bring our guests on is, I think you brought this up, buddy, and we both have noticed it recently. It seems to be kind of an influx of wild-caught animals that are being uh, presented for sale on a lot of the uh, – social media websites. I know on Facebook, we've seen just seems like uh, a rash of new there's, there's the always the kind of the old guard that are posting these uh, recently imported adult animals. But now there seems to be a rash of, of 
other people, perhaps smaller mom-and-pop readers that are introducing a lot of wild, obviously wild-caught chondros um, into the into the marketplace. And So I know you wanted to, to touch on that for a minute, too. Absolutely. Um, we've noticed, particularly on the uh, Green Tree Python for Sale and Classified Facebook page, um, a lot of uh, wild-caught animals, uh, particularly the Aru types, um, they seem we claim to be. And just what you said, Bill, there there are people that you know bring in these animals, and um, the better ones actually take the animal, hold it for quite a while, and then make sure they're acclimated and they're doing okay before they even consider uh, moving it. But we've seen a lot of uh, ads or you know animals are obviously covered in mites have some trauma from being transported and captured and um, you know that's just not what we want to see and unfortunately they also come with a very low cost and people start looking at them as a surefire way to jumpstart their chondro breeding project inexpensively and um, right. it never works out that way, um, you know, which is sad for both the snake and the the keeper. Um, and then some of them are just not even identified properly, um, and some folks think that they're actually getting uh, a captive bred animal, um, and it really isn't a captive bred animal. It's, it came in under the, the guise of a captive bred animal, but it was actually, you know, a, a wild-caught animal. And so they're prepared for a captive bred animal, and they wind up with a wild caught animal, and aren't prepared for all the additional uh, work that's going to be needed to get that animal. You know, they'll never be a hundred percent, but maybe eighty or eighty-five percent. Yep. Yep. We well, we chat about that. Um, maybe yeah, we can get I some, mean, uh, you know. Well, you know, we've talked about one of the very few mission statements of what we're trying to do here is to make um, the ease and pleasure and the experience of owning a green tree as close to 100% successful as we can get. And particularly for new keepers, that is the complete opposite way to achieve that goal because you're just, Absolutely. you know, ridden with, with trouble from the get-go uh, to, to try to, to – to bring that animal in, especially if you bring it into a collection and to expect it to thrive and do well for you is, uh, it's, it's probably just not going to happen. And then you're going to have a bad experience with chondros and, and then that's something we're trying to prevent. Absolutely. That's, you know, we're, we're trying to give good advice and set everyone off on the right path of success. That way uh, they want to continue to keep chondros. We don't want anyone to have a, uh, bad first experience and decide that chondros are not for them and walk away from what can be a rewarding species to work with. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Like we said, we've got a lot to uh, get into, so uh, let's get our guests on, huh? Okay. So we'll, uh, we're going to bring Owen and <laughs> Owen McIntyre and Alexis Marie on. Welcome to GTP Keeper Radio, folks. Thanks for having me, buddy. Um, it's good to be the guest this time. <laughs> Alexis, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, everybody. Fantastic. 
Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming, everybody. Um, if it's okay with you guys, I'd, I'd like. To... What is that noise? Nothing. Somebody's getting a text message. <laughs> oh, someone's getting something earlier. Uh, Eric's probably texting me because he's like lonely right now, or doesn't know where <laughs> I am. I've dropped off the face of the planet. And, is there maybe yeah. maybe a little bit of jealousy? Jealousy involved? Oh, probably. I mean, you took one of us and not both of us. I'm pretty sure, like. That never happens. Well, actually, no, it happens only with you guys. So, <laughs> let's do that. Well, uh, oh, oh, and I know, uh, you know, most of the people that are listening to, or a lot of people listening to the show, uh, probably are familiar with you. You're uh, no stranger to the Morelia community. Uh, you're the owner of Rogue Reptiles from the city of Brotherly Love, Philly, right? So far, you're correct. You, I'm not, you've done your research. Keep going. Uh, let's see. Um, you, you co-host the uh, the 2015 Reptile Report Reader's Choice Radio Show of the Year, Morelia Python Radio. Check. Yes. Yep. Yep. So far, yeah. Until until okay. Eric fires okay. me. Yes. That's all correct. <laughs> so. And uh, you made your first appearance at Southern Carpet Fest this year. A couple of weeks ago. Yes. Yes. And I lived to tell the tale. I mean, that was, for a while there, it was a little dicey. But um, <laughs> I did make it back alive. So. Well, uh, let ahead. me see what our studio audience has to say about your uh, appearance on the show. Let's see. <laughs> wow. 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 Yes, yes. Have, I could tell they were excited better applause than we do i mean we have that applause <laughs> sound and it, it sounds like crap so you guys have a better one that's i'm gonna make eric steal that from you so yeah. no way man that it's your luck <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and we uh do that again if we tried and uh let me give alexis marie a quick shout out um alexis Good. is a current student in louisiana uh, she's been involved in keeping both carpets and green trees for quite a while. Uh, she has a very dynamic collection of Morelia, and she made her way to the pre-carpet fest party along with you and Owen on Friday night. And uh, she managed to bag some Texas sun by the pool on Saturday before carpet fest. And mm-hmm. um, she's excited to be here to tell her carpet fest story. How are you doing, Alexis? Uh, I'm good. Thanks. So my experience at Carpet Fest was definitely something very memorable. I love meeting everybody in the community. Everybody's always so nice. I love talking to everybody about their collections and everything, and really just getting to know everybody and getting involved with the family. So the Texas sun was definitely really nice. Yeah. Yeah, well, we we enjoyed having you. It was a definitely a good time, and there's going to be a lot of uh, stories to tell uh, about Carpet Fest because uh, I know you've you've got some, and I know Owen has some. And the only other person we haven't heard from was Matt Morris, uh, buddy. Yeah. Do you know anything about what what Matt's doing? Maybe we've I'm lost. Touch with him as we speak. Up here. Uh, 
<laughs> Buddy forgets that I have a mute button that I turn on and off. <laughs> <laughs> have you, so ma- have you uh, muted Matt yeah. the entire? Have you muted him the entire show? Uh, no, 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 no. Matt, Matt is not in. Okay. I muted myself. I was actually talking to you guys, um, and then oh, I yeah. realized that you couldn't hear what I was saying. Um, so just, just one more tip for Ellen to make about quality control and his one of his. No, uh, no, 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 no. no. One, one of his shows. All so the all the time, <laughs> Eric will have me muted, and I'll be talking for ten minutes, and then I'll realize I'm muted. And that's when he clicks me back on. But then I yell at him on air, so it's fine. So yeah, it's all good. I've never, I've never yelled at Buddy. I'm gonna, I need yeah, to try we're that. that. <laughs> we're not the yelling type, Bill. <laughs> that's, that's, no, that's, not that's yet. Our thing. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's our show. <laughs> You'll get that. Yeah, maybe after the second season. Um, I know that uh, Buddy wanted to have you Owen talk a minute about your show and um, you know, what's been going on there. Uh, Speaking of, of yelling at Eric, uh, this is our second year and you guys have been in, in doing it a lot longer than us. Why don't you five years? So why don't you take a second? Sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Tell us about it. Sure. Uh, We, we did, we were five years in October, um, which is pretty much just, it's been five years of me yelling at Eric and you all listening. So I don't know why you guys keep listening, but whatever. Um, we're just going to keep rolling until someone stops us. Uh, and to be honest with Merle Python radio, it is probably one of the, the joys of my entire reptile experience. And it happened completely by accident. Um, everything is Eric's brainchild and I'm just around. I'm just along for the ride. And I, I thank him like all the time for even just letting me be part of this stuff. Um, and it just all clicked together. He wanted to do the show. He did the one show by himself and realized that it I really re- sucked <laughs> talking to himself. So um, he put a thing up on the uh, Morelia Python's um, forum asking for a co-host. Now I had, had very little, probably like one or two emails back and forth with Eric about him buying one of my high-contrast queen balloons. That was it. So I automatically was concerned about this guy in Philadelphia buying every single morph under the sun. He was going to put me out of business and ruin my life. So I'm like, well, I might as well just make friends with him, and maybe he'll take pity on me. So (laughs) I offered to be part of the radio show, and the second episode we uh, we we did, and the first episode that I was a part of was the interview of me, and it was dicey. It was filled with really long pauses. It was awkward because it was like probably the third conversation we had ever had with each other. So then we, and then of course the show progressed. We got better. I totally butchered several episodes when I'm alone by myself, so I cannot function. Without me, it's why Rob Stone's my babysitter now. So um, <laughs> the um, and one of the first conversations we we kind of ever had was about the uh, wanting to do something that would bring the community together outside of reptile shows. And this is again, it's another one of Eric's brainchild that I've just been lucky enough to be a part of, which is Carpet Fest. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so you guys the, had uh, the first one. You guys had the first one yeah. five years ago? Yes, five years ago. Uh, 
because we, we, the radio show started in October. So we had been a couple months kind of into it. And we were talking about just having a big get together because we realized all of a sudden, you know, I started knowing, I started vending um, shows. I started talking with more people. It, it kind of gave everybody something to talk about at reptile shows was what we had just talked about on the radio show. So I was getting to be more friendly with a lot of these keepers. So we're all started talking about maybe hanging out and doing something. And of course, Eric had that idea when we first started. So we kind of just decided to do it. I mean, that was something Eric definitely pushed forward with, with the let's not say we're going to do it. Let's just freaking do it. And then we'll see how it goes and we'll adjust. So we talked about my play. I was still at my mother's at that point. Eric's place was too small for a bunch of people. So uh, Howard Redding from Redding Reptile Breeders in Maryland said, I'll do it. And we ripped off the Condrofest community. Like we ripped them off so bad. We took everything. Oh dear God. It was, we weren't even trying to hide it. We just stole it all. So I don't, it's like, not really an original idea, but we had the first one at Howard's backyard. Uh, there's still pictures of us doing the auction, which you had no idea what we were doing then. Um, actually, when Eric calls me, the picture that comes up is of us at the auction, and it's of him holding that chondro that Buddy actually put at the auction, and he's staring yeah. at it. And it's like I like that picture because the gears are turning because that's right before, right after that picture was taken, is when he started bidding on the animal. So I love the look in his face because it's like, do I want to spend all my money? And he did. So, um, <laughs> but that was that was good. And then, of course, we had the first year, and it went well, so we did it again. And it, it's, it's exactly as we intended it was stuff went wrong, so we adjusted. I mean, the second year, nobody ate anything because everybody stared at the raw hamburger and the raw hot dogs and the hot grill and didn't do anything about it. So we had to adjust and make rules and say, hey, you guys have to feed yourselves when you come here. You know, bring food ready to eat. So we had to do that. We did the T-shirts. We did the auction got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, Then I bought a house. And then we started having Carpet Fest at my house. Um, We were supposed to do back and forth between my house and Eric's, but Eric hasn't moved yet. So I get to do it (laughs) for a second year in a row. He's got some catching up to do. Oh, yeah, Carpet Fest will be at Eric's house for two years after this one now because, um, yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll make him pay. So, yeah, that's uh, – and, and, again, it's having – Carpet Fest is one of the things that we're definitely the most proud of when it comes to Morelli Python Radio um, because it is bringing people that are in the community but maybe not as involved out to see each other, out to meet each other, to, to hang out with each other. You know, I went to Texas because of Morelia because of Carpet Fest and Morelia Python Radio. Probably would have never ended right. up there if not for that. Um, yep. yep. And it's you, you talk to people and you meet people and you become more friendly and more friends with these people. And at Reptile Shows, we all want to talk and hang out with each other, but we can't because we're dealing with customers. We've got the animals here. We kind of get yep. that at Tinley Park, but this is completely, we've removed the animals from the situation and this is just everybody getting to know each other on a different level. Like uh, I, I'd only met Alexis like once or twice. And uh, now she has incriminating evidence of me with my head underneath the margarita machine. So that's something else <laughs> that, you know, is, don't forget it. Owen. I have to be. 
I'm never going to. It's yeah, watch out for that. So it, it, it's one of those things that now we ended up having. There's there's five carpet fests now throughout the United States, and I I want more. I would like a ton more. I want international carpet fests. I think it's great. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, um, we're going to have a chance to talk a, a lot more about why we like Carpet Fest, why we, we participate <laughs> in Carpet Fest. You've had uh-huh. the uh, you, you've you've already said a lot of that. Uh, I do want to take one minute because we've got one other yeah. uh, guest that I think is now on the show. That's Matt Morris, and um, I just want to say a thing or two about Matt. Matt's been on the show with us before. I, I'm not sure if he's been on your show, Owen. Um, but, you know, Matt's one of the backbone members of the Condro community, and uh, he hails from the great city of Austin, Texas, and he's kept he's kept Condros maybe almost as long as a buddy, if that's even even possible. I don't know about that. He's a wealth. <laughs> Hush up, you. See you, Martin. <laughs> yeah, it's doing better. You're getting there. Um, Matt's a wealth of of information on uh, Condor husbandry and history. He and David Newman are the uh, two guys that put together the uh, MVF husbandry guide, and that has certainly saved uh, many of us countless husbandry questions uh, from new MVF and and Facebook group members. So um, without further ado... Matt Morris. Hey, thanks for the intro. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, uh, dropping in. Better late than never. Yeah, I've had that. I've been having some technical difficulties there. Well, I know you had uh, you were busy today. You had something else uh, going on. What What were you doing earlier? Oh my goodness! I uh, just got back from West Texas doing a little uh, snake hunting out there, and had an incredible trip. Caught one of my uh, well, I didn't catch it. A friend of mine caught it, but. Uh, Called a gray banded king snake, and uh, that is uh, definitely on my uh, bucket list. So it was pretty awesome. That seems to be the holy grail of uh, Texas herping these days. Yes, for sure. It was quite quite the experience. Well, good for you. Good for you. I don't know how much of the show you've caught. We've uh, introduced Owen already. Alexis has been on for a minute or two uh, to say hello. Uh, we brought you on, and Basically, uh, it's time to get into it's time to get into the carpet fest experience because the show right. is is blowing blowing by. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, I guess you know one of the great things about um, you know when Buddy and I host this show and we have a roundtable or we have more than one or you know we have two or th- we have three guests tonight is that we don't have to talk very much and <laughs> I love that because I don't. I, I don't particularly like to talk. We love to have the guests talk, but I'm going to start tonight uh, discussing Carpet Fest, um, I guess mainly because I hosted it here, uh, Southern Carpet Fest. So I'm going to take uh, just about two minutes to kind of introduce Southern Carpet Fest and give kind of my perspective about why we do it. Um, and then we'll bring our guests on to start the banter about uh, what they liked, what they didn't like, who they met, and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think Owen hit on a little bit of this earlier. Really the purpose of Carpet Fest, and I learned this when I went to the Northeast Carpet Fest and when I went to ICAST several years ago, it's to really supercharge 
the online and, and social media uh, experience of sharing our obsession with with reptiles and particularly snakes. We call it Carpet Fest. You know, actually here uh, in Arlington, Texas, it wasn't a carpet fest. It was just a reptile fest. Uh, we had people here that kept uh, carpets, chondros, balls. I mean, I wanted to call it Royal Carpondro Rhino Blood Fest. <laughs> Never going to happen. <laughs> I, would, I would not have allowed that. <laughs> you may not have allowed it, but it may have better described the num- the people that it, were here. And I, it would have. What? I mean, my, my point is, definitely. is that it's not, it was not limited to carpet people, um, and it wasn't even limited to reptile people. We had a handful of people just that I, that I know and other people knew that had somewhat of an interest in reptiles, and, and they came, and some of them wanted to go in and look at snakes, some of them didn't, and, you know, uh, that, that was that. But the ability to interact in person brings it to a different level than just what you can get with social media, whether it's through the MVF or on Facebook. And, you know, when we gather here, there are no groups or there are no cliques at at any event like Carpet Fest. You know, I mean, the atmosphere is easy. All you have to do is go up and introduce yourself, say, my name's Bill Stegall. You know, what what do you keep? What do you like to keep? And, And it's as easy as that. And, uh, so, you know, I think for me, that's, that is the number one purpose and Owen hit on this. There's no pressure at the shows, you know, at the shows, especially if you're vending the shows, there's the pressure of the setup, um, you know, making sales, you know, you want to sell animals. That's why you're there. Um, but the ability to put all that aside and just be able to talk about your animals, other people's animals, um, and your passion, obsession, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's why we all, you know, through all different kinds of of media are able to interact with each other. So that's the number one purpose. And then, of course, the secondary purpose for us was, was to raise money for USARK. Um, you know, USARK, that's the entity that is really, truly our advocacy for the private ownership of reptiles in the United States. There's a lot of people looking out for, you know, keeping animals in zoos and in and, and, and institutional research institutions. But USARK is, is the entity that is our advocacy for the private reptile keeper. And so for many of us, it's a very important uh, cause to support. We did, a, I thought, a really good job. Uh, we had a silent auction uh, and donations. The silent auction was just a single piece. It was a single piece of custom art that was donated by Jeff Frederick. Um, and between his silent auction and donations, we were able to raise roughly $500 for the benefit of USARK. So Very nice. there's my, there's my, there's my two, three minute spiel about uh, the reason that I agreed to host Carpet Fest. And, uh, you know, then again, very quickly, I wanted to just put a, a, uh, a, a heads up or a thank you to the people that were involved in that. And, um, you know, first and foremost, having the backbone of the Morelia community, uh, that's uh, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre, to fly down and to be a part of this event was, uh, you know, very, very special to me personally. And I know a lot of people that were 
here were just ecstatic to meet them. And I think it shows a lot of commitment on their uh, parts, you know, to travel, come down and spend their, their resources, their time and their money uh, to come down here and share that with us. Uh, then we had a few handful of local guys that helped. Um, Evan Broder was really kind of the, the brainchild of putting all of this together. He did a lot of the organizing and he did a lot of the uh, administration work and a lot of the advertising to make sure that people knew uh, where the event was, what the event was, and where the event was. So he did a good job. Austin Warwick did our t-shirts. Uh, it was the first time Austin had ever done t-shirts, and I think he did a, a really nice job uh, with the design and getting everything together. Um, Logan Murray is a local guy here with me that uh, personally is part of Phoenix Reptiles. He helped me set up the place, um, and he was the guy that came up with the custom name tags, which I thought was really cool to be able to go up and know who you were talking to before you started a conversation with them. Uh, David Perlich was also involved in the organization. And then, of course, Matt Morris and Shane Dobson hauled a ton of food a long way, uh, and they provided <laughs> – they provided some great food. They brought the food and they prepared the food, and uh, it was it was excellent. So there I am. I'm done talking. You guys take it for the rest of the show. Uh, I'm going to sit back at my mute button and enjoy the banner. <laughs> um, Owen, let's. I mean, let's start with you. Because right. I want to start with you and Alexis, because you two were here first. You guys were part of the pre-party. <laughs> came, right. came in Friday. <laughs> so let's start with let's just start with Friday. Maybe you can talk a little bit right. about Friday, and then Alexis can talk about Friday, and then we'll go into Saturday, the main event. All right. Um, Friday, uh, I woke up extremely early and drove my behind to Eric's place. Uh, where I found him still in his pajamas and cleaning his ca snake cages. So it, it already started off on a weird level. Um, so, now, I said that because I know for a fact he's going to bed now and he's going to be listening to this tomorrow on his commute. So that's, just, that's one for you, buddy. Um, but, you know, so we, we, we flew. Of course, we're getting ready to go, and we find out that there's uh, issues with the flight and the tarmac, uh, some plane was on fire in Philadelphia, so I'm like, great, this is already leading to be one of those trips. Uh, we well, got to the airport you flew, fine. You, you, you flew first class, right, on the oh, illustrious? Oh, no. Are you? Yeah. No. Illustrious what airlines? Spirit Airlines, which I was <laughs> getting ready for them to be like, and then we're going to start the prop now. Like It, it was one of those planes where I'm like, is this thing going to stay in the air the entire time? So um, it, it was just, it was crammed, and Eric couldn't reach his little air controls. It was a weird plane. So flying down, we were cruising fine, and then they're like, oh, we're flying over Texas now. And we hit every cloud that had some sort of aggravated thing about it the entire way to Texas, so we were bouncing around for a good 20, 30 minutes, uh, and then we we landed, and uh, Bill came and got us at the airport with a wonderful amount of beer for us to drink as he drove <laughs> us to his house. So it was already, it, it, the day had already...
got detected. Um, <laughs> and then we go, and of course we're at Bill's place, and you know, uh, we're we're driving around Bill's neighborhood, and I actually asked Bill which, uh, because there were they were huge houses, all made of bricks and the gorgeous gorgeous houses. So we go to Bill's, and of course we're automatically welcomed and. I, I always seem to like finish my beer and put it down, and then I went to reach for the empty bottle, and it had been replaced with a full one. So I didn't really know what the <laughs> hell was going on, but I just kept drinking. So, and then and all then, part of you know, all we, part of the master plan experience, yeah, all part of the experience in the master plan. So we, the Friday pretty much ended up with walking around Bill's room. Um, I had to check on the rough scales at least five times to make sure they were still there. <laughs> Um, and happy. I, had to I check remember them. it happening uh, a little bit differently. I remember having to watch Bill make sure that you didn't steal the rough scales because you that, kept checking on that, them a lot. That was that's Bill's way of interpreting. I had to check on them to make sure they were happy and you know not in well, you, my pocket yet. So yeah, you kept so, wanting to clean the cages. They they needed to be cleaned and. Stuff. I mean, yeah, you're just lucky I, you still have all three of yours is what I'm saying. But <laughs> um, And then, of course, the night just kind of wound down to what you really enjoy, which is everybody hanging out, drinking, uh, swapping reptile stories, and really just enjoying the whole purpose of Carpet Fest. So that's – I loved it when it deteriorated down to that mess. Um, of course, by then the yeah. world was spinning and I had a cigar, but, yeah, it was great. So <laughs> that was the fun. That was the fun part of Friday. It was it was you know a much smaller yeah. crowd, um, and uh, yeah, that that was a lot of fun. We we ate dinner Friday uh, mm-hmm. at a barbecue place, and we introduced oh, yeah. some, some Texas, Texas barbecue, and that and that was good. Um, and then Alexis came in. Alexis had a long drive. She uh, Louisiana is a neighboring state to Texas, but it it's not like those Yankee eastern states you know where you drive 15 minutes in your in your neighboring state you know alexis what was your drive from louisiana alexis um i want to say it was probably about a good five and a half hours you know normally it's a pretty straight shot which isn't bad but you know it's kind of battling a hurricane on the way there you know just playing around with some tornadoes and such you know no big deal and yeah I happened to survive. Didn't think I was going to, but it was okay. And, you know, got there, and, you know, you and your wife are always so welcoming. You know, it's my second time, you know, going and hanging yep. out with guys. And literally, it's just like, it's so, it's like family, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess one of my favorite yeah. parts about, like, that night was just, you know, all of us just kind of hanging out by the pool, just talking and you know, about everybody's, you know, collections and experiences. I mean, just the amount of knowledge, you know, like for me, because I'm, you know, just kind of getting into all of the community and stuff like that. It's really helpful for me to be able to hear, you know, how everybody does things and the advice and help that I've got from everybody is just great. You know, everybody's so helpful all the time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree. The the great part about Saturday, the Carpet Fest, was is that we actually had – I think we tallied roughly about 80 people that came through. The great thing about Friday was there was like eight of us, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. just, a, just a different kind of coolness, 
small, intimate group versus, you know, just a big, more party uh, atmosphere. I, I love both parts of that. Yep. Good yeah. Stuff. You know, we uh, we were supposed to rest Friday because, you know, we had a big – we knew from last year what Saturday was going to entail. I think we ended up yeah. going to bed about, what, about 2 or 2.30 three. Friday night? 3 o'clock yeah. Friday yeah. night. Yeah. Closer to 3. And, we uh, that up. Yeah, I was thinking, that boy, that was a big mistake. And, and then I was thinking, <laughs> you know, we, we were supposed to do this show, the post-Southern yeah. Carpet Fest – when Buddy first set it up, he wanted to do it that Sunday, the Sunday <laughs> after. And I, that said, been Buddy, I said, Buddy, are you crazy? You know, we're going we're gonna to be dead. Right, Buddy? Yeah. I did say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, former fireman, I don't, you know, I can sleep for like an hour and I'm good for the next 24. So I was thinking you guys were all, you know, same way. You know, be able to recover and you know. Yeah, chat but this thing it. went. But, this uh, thing went you no, know, I understand. I understand. Listen, this thing went forty-eight, not, not twenty-four. <laughs> forty-eight. Yeah. Okay. Well, two yeah. hours. Then you get two hours. Yeah. Then you get, get, get two hours. Maybe two and a half. Come on. Right. I was good to go because I had the donuts in the morning for breakfast. That was. There you awesome. go. Yeah, you got. Yeah, yeah. you got recharged with the. Saturday morning breakfast. Yep. Yes, she did. Yep. All right. So, so, did, so did everyone just kind of show up all at once on uh, Saturday, or was it like an even tempo of people coming and going? Uh, we said it had, had about 80 people, you know, was it, you know, 80 people all at once and then kind of filtered out after that, or how, how did it go down? We slowly took them in. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt, tell them. I mean, I, I was Matt did a lot of the, even though it was my place. Matt did a lot of the, the introduction and the uh, kind of the front door greeting, so to speak, because I, I was in the room a lot and and I was upstairs a lot. So Matt, why don't you, why don't yeah, you kind of give was, them the, uh, what you. Yeah, I was just. I mean, I was you know getting the grill started and starting the chicken, and, and as as I did that, you know, people would slowly come in, and I just would, you know, greet them and. Tell them where things were and show them where to get beer and where the pool was. Just, you know, basically introducing myself and showing them where to go. I think it was Very definitely uh, a trickling of people. Um, you know, we had some people that came in and then, you know, we were talking, we were joking earlier uh, before the show started about maybe the one thing that we didn't get right was the amount of food um, that Matt and Shane brought up, and yeah. you know, if we're going to air, we're going to air on one side. I, I mean, I, I think we all agreed that it was good to air on too much, but but we got a mm-hmm. lot too much. Yeah, we had a and, little uh, extra. <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't it didn't go to waste, but I think some of it was oh. you know we we estimated the right eighty people showed up, but eighty people didn't eat, and I think that's yeah, what right. Matt and Shane. You know, had prepared for, and it was because so many people trickled in and trickled out. Uh, there were just a certain number, maybe thirty-five or forty people there were there when the food was served. And so, you know, again, that's live and learn. Uh, two years under our belt, and you know, we're continuing to evolve and and learn about how we want to do it down here. And so, you know, that was mm-hmm. of all the things that could have gone wrong, that was the only thing. 
And the only thing that went wrong, yeah. Right, if that's that's the only thing that went wrong, we had too much food, yeah. Yeah, bring it on. Yeah. And I'd like to take a big shout-out to Shane for, you know, helping me get the barbecue pit up here and helping me cook all day long. So he he was a great help. So appreciate that. Yeah. You guys were you guys were warriors uh, in the barbecue pit. It was fun. It was real fun. So yeah, that kind of rolls us into Saturday. We had almost a Saturday little pre-party uh, before the the actual event was supposed to start. There was a little bit of confusion whether it was three or four, but we were certainly uh, up and going well before that. Uh, I of course had the guys up course cleaning my snake room i mean you know of course, of course. <laughs> yeah eric and Owen there they're not going to be standing around i want them cleaning cages and uh so we got that done and uh ironically uh eric i think uh addressed this on on your guy's show uh oh and he actually he got bit by a ball python yeah i, I, I took my eyes off him for two seconds yeah, he's like, he bit me. I'm like, what bit you? He goes, I'm like, the water bowl? He goes, the ball python. I'm like, the water bowl? So it was like, he, he's over there getting bit by ball pythons, and I'm like teasing a carpondro, and the, like, and I'm not, I'm not the one bleeding. It made no sense. So, yeah, it was, uh, he was, but he, he was, I like how Bill's like, uh, Eric kind of like slapped on the gloves and dove right in there. Bill's like, yeah, yeah, yeah water and such. Keep going. You're doing good. And like Bill's just pointing, and he's like, "Yeah, I like this. This is nice." So, um, and I made sure the rough scales were clean several times. So, several, but they were they were good. So, and, but, and so we were doing that. We were doing that. Matt was, uh, you know, Matt and Shane were uh, taking care of the food. Alexis, what were you doing? I can't remember. I was making sure the lawn chairs didn't go anywhere by the pool. <laughs> uh, a crucial job, a crucial job okay, for sure. Very important. Yeah, uh, pretty yeah, hectic I mean, outside. I was just trying to, you know, make sure everything was copacetic out back. So. Fine job. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that went on. You know, we had the setup was minimal. You know, we had a lot of the same stuff from last year. We we had ordered some tables and chairs. We had uh, Owen and Eric's uh, infamous margarita machine delivered, and they hooked that thing up, and we got it cooking along about noon. And really, you know, that was it as far as setup. Uh, yeah, so, it wasn't much to it. Yeah, you guys did the brunt of it with the uh, with the cooking before people came, and then people started trickling about three or four. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. There you you know, the one thing that got, well, the one thing that got me was people were coming in. A lot of people wanted to meet, they wanted to meet Eric and Owen, you know, because they, they came down from Philadelphia. They've, they've listened to them on the radio. Oh, blah, blah, blah. They're our boss. (laughs) Right. And, and the one, and the one consistent, consistent thing everybody kept saying was, was that uh, Eric wasn't as short as he thought they'd be. (laughs) (laughs) I go, I go, wow. He's not that short. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm probably responsible for that one, but I won't admit it. But um, it is it brought me great joy for everyone to be like, he's not that short. I'm like, ah. but 
Dylan, you brought a booster chair on the airplane. You brought him a booster chair on the airplane. Yeah, I threatened to bring high chairs places, and, like, he's not <laughs> that short, but I make it sound like he is, like, miniature. It's great. So, and, of course, people also were like, and you're not that tall. I'm like, I know. It's great, right? So, people can see us on a radio. So, um, that was probably the most fun. I kind of took the name tag and uh, labeled myself Marco Shea. So that was something else I was running around and doing. So yeah, it was just a, I was just tormenting as many people as I possibly could at any given moment. So yeah, fun stuff. What's all about? Of course. Now, Matt, did you want to hit on any? Uh, I was going to ask Matt if you wanted to hit on anything that he uh, what he thought about. This was his his first time to come to Carpet Fest. He missed the one we did last year. Um, but he was instrumental in in putting this together. We got really lucky on the day. The weather here was, oh, was, was just perfect. Mm-hmm. Just a great yeah. day. Um, yeah, well, was I, there anything? I think, you that, to... uh, I think I was very shocked at uh, Eric and Owen's uh, composure at the restaurant. I was. Uh, I was... <laughs> I'm not sure what to think, but why that? I think you well, tell the audience why that. The uh, the the wait staff. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I was just I was just uh, I thought there would be more of a response there, but uh, I learned afterwards that uh, they actually did uh, respond, but uh, it wasn't visible. So. <laughs> yeah. Right, well, we ate dinner. At a... Eric's married. <laughs> Go ahead, so. Owen. Go ahead. I mean, well, er- Eric's married, so he has to keep everything quiet, and you know, <laughs> I I right, don't right. care. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Well, we we ate it. We ate at a uh, at a place in Arlington called Bone Daddy's, and uh, they've got really good uh, barbecue, kind of classic mm-hmm. Texas barbecue cuisine. But their theme is it's kind of the Hooters, uh, you know, it's the Hooters of barbecue. Yeah. So oh you know, uh, yeah. Oh boy, the wait staff was. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let Owen describe it. I'm. You know, I'm uh, well, well, you know, sh- uh, short skirts and you know, wonderful looking clothing. But yeah, that was that's that was that. So <laughs> fun was that by all. So lots of lots of composure there. It was, it was awesome, awesome. Lots of composure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, um, so my my take on the the whole event for the most part was really, um, I mean, you guys covered it in from what I was hearing. You know, it's just a, it's a great event. Uh, I met a lot of really cool people, got to talk about, you know, not just carpets or condos, but just any any snake that anybody had a, a passion about. And it's, you know, for me, uh, you know, I, I focus mainly on green trees, but I like all of them. And so I like hearing about it all. And, and this crowd was just awesome for that kind of thing. So um, good people, good good times. It was awesome. Yeah, had a lot of we had a lot of diversity uh, in the the attendance there, and that was that was it was good. Mm-hmm. Alexis, what about you? Uh, do you want to talk about some of your? I know we talked a little bit before the show started about some of your memorable moments. Uh, how's your How's your jacket doing? <laughs> My jacket. Yeah, your jacket. Remember. 
we went to we went to breakfast the next morning, and you said your leather jacket had a smoky smell to it. Oh no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I I guess yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite moments about Carpet Fest. Um, I got to meet Matt for the first time, and I've talked to him a couple times, um, you know, throughout yeah. the the forums and stuff, and um, like you know, one of my favorite you know, snakes is definitely green trees. And, you know, I'm in the process of building up my collection right now. And uh, he actually helped me out with uh, some genetic information about um, an October Waminiac male that I have that's a picky eater who happened to start eating sporadically whenever I came back home. But uh, him and I, well, I kind of shadowed him while I was asking him questions. And, you know, he was making all the chicken for everybody. And we ended up... uh, making s'mores that night because I had a brilliant <laughs> idea. So I ended up being, you know. Genius. I thought, oh, yeah. I thought that everybody would, you know, kind of gather around the smoke pit and we'd all do it, but somehow I ended up, you know, just making everybody s'mores, you know, <laughs> including you, Bill. I'm like, hey, Bill, do you want a s'more? He's like, yeah, don't mind if I do, and took mine right out of my hand. Well, you asked me too, so you were asking people if they wanted yeah. more. So I yeah, mean, well, I mean, was... at that point, I was just like, okay, you know. Oh, you just accepted uh, it. All right, yeah. I so. just accepted my, that my job, you know, since it was my idea. <laughs> so. She wanted us to all participate in the s'more production. Well, you know, there what's a fire without some s'mores? That's right. We had to use that but fire. Everybody was outside. But there were epic games night. of. Yeah, but there were epic games of cornhole going on that had to be played. So, I mean, that was... High stakes. High stakes. High stakes And I lost every single one, and it was horrible. Yep. And don't forget, I remember all you guys making fun of me for being freezing that night, too. Everybody's sitting there, they're like, it's so hot and muggy, and I'm sitting there by the fire with the blanket. It's 80 degrees. She's got a fire and, a, and her leather jacket and a blanket. Yep. It's 80 degrees out. <laughs> buddy, buddy. Tell, tell her, man. Yes. Tell her, buddy. 80 degrees. 80 degrees. You know. 80. Yep. <laughs> well, you know I'm wearing this boxer shorts at 80 degrees. I need the sun in my life. I need I need the heat. Anything less than like seventy five and I'm like freezing to death. You know, I'm like comfortable wow. at ambient seventy six, seventy eight degrees. I think you're half chondro. Yeah. I might be. I might be. <laughs> <laughs> Could you live down well, there? It's cold up here. Yeah. It's funny, like I normally keep my house, you know, around like seventy four, seventy five and like when I go in my snake room and hang out for a little bit, and I go back in, like, my living room or something, I'm like, God, it's cold in here. And, like, I'll end up going back in my snake room because it's warmer. Wow. <laughs> well, we can't, you know, we're we're talking about uh, about Carpet Fest, and, gosh, we haven't talked about the animals at all, which I think is awesome. That's kind of the point of carpet fest you know you go and you get to interact with the people and to Mm -hmm. me the people in this this hobby whatever we call this thing 
um, are as much fun as the animals that we keep. So, Definitely. you know, again, another reason to, to try to try to get to one of these events. Uh, I think, uh, Owen, you and Eric talked about the cost that it, it, it does to come to one of these events, even if you have to get on mm-hmm. an airplane. You know, the mm-hmm. airfare these days are cheap. You know, you can get a yep. cheap hotel, and you can come down here, and you can spend one night, or you can go to Philly, or you can go to – you know, the West coast or you can go yeah. to Florida or you can go to California and you know, it's, you're, you're looking at 400 bucks, you know, yeah. the, the price mm-hmm. uh, of a snake or a rack or. Yeah. Um, well, let me put it this way. My, the last snakes, the last, the last snake purchase I made was I got a pair of Vietnamese beauties and they were, they, they're, they're out there. They're nuts. I love them. But um, they were more expensive than the trip to Carpet Fest. So right. it's like now you're sitting here and, like, you hear about people who are like, I wish I could go. And that's great. We, we, we want everybody to wish you can go to your local Carpet Fest. But there's a point where you stop wishing and you just freaking do it. Um, yep. I know I'm, like, channeling Nick right now, and this is the speech he normally gives me about going to Australia. But um, right. it's you just got to schedule it and then you, you buy the plane ticket and now you're committed. So now you're going to go. Yeah. And like exactly what you said, Bill, if you're just going to show up for Saturday, but say maybe you come down Friday and Southern Carpet Fest is right near Dallas. So there's probably tons of stuff you can do there. We're right near Philadelphia. You can go waste a day at the zoo. I mean, there's yep. plenty of things you can do in the areas that are around the Carpet Fest to make it just a long weekend and have a good time. And that's all we want. So, yeah, I've never talked to any. I've never talked to anybody that said that they were disappointed in mm-hmm. going to an event, especially if it's out out of your neck of the woods. That's what really I think makes it cool, you know, to get in there, experience people that you probably have never met before, only on social media, you yeah. know. And if your experience, and I know it was like mine and the other people that have traveled no matter what you are socially, whether you're introverted, extroverted, man, there's no pressure when you go to those events and everybody just mm-hmm. fits in and it doesn't matter your age or your socioeconomic situation. I mean, people just fit in and it's, uh, you know, it's just a good time. Yeah. It feels like, uh, it's not the first time that you met somebody, you know, even though it is, but you feel like they're already, you know, good friends with you on Facebook if, if, or something like that. So it's a, it's to me, it's just it was a lot easier. Uh, I felt like I was around friends already, so they weren't strangers. Yeah. Very good. And so, uh, buddy, I know you've got a good excuse for not being here. I can't remember yeah. what it is, but I know it's I know it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that excuse is over now. Thank goodness. <laughs> oh. Yeah. School. That's, school. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Done. As of Thursday. Done. So, yep. Um, But the good thing about it, it, it's neat about Carperfest is, or any of these things you go to, is kind of reminds me, I don't know whether you guys ever, or maybe still do, uh, Herp Society meetings. I used to belong to the Herp Society here in Maryland, and we would get together. It was a monthly meeting. And it was very similar. It It was a bit more formal, like they would have a, a guest speaker, and they'd have a formal outline. 
but you would get together and you would, you know, meet and network, um, and people would, you know, bring in the animals that you had heard about but never seen, uh, you know, long before the Internet where we were able to share everything. Um, and so, you know, it, these gatherings have a similar feel to them, except I think the new, the modern versions are much better because they're not in some musty church basement. Um, they're, you know, they're at a house, they're having a cookout, and, um, you know, and they're drinking beer and all that good stuff. So I, th- I think it's a good thing that uh, these events are going on. And, you know, like Matt had already said, you you know may know folks on Facebook and, you know, you send pictures or you, you chat about, you know, someone contacts you about a snake or you talk about, you know, maybe an issue they're having with an animal. And, you know, it, it, you develop a friendship there, but it's much, I think, makes the hobby a little bit tighter when you actually see people and hang out with them and, you know, spend time with them and see what they're really like in person. And a lot of people have these online personas that uh, that I've when I've met them, I'm like that's not the person that that I thought I knew. They're you know, and I, I'm just as guilty as some of the other folks. Or sometimes my writing's quick and short and gruff, and um, sometimes people think, oh, you know, asshole. Uh, but then when they meet, mm-hmm. them, hopefully they have a different impression. So I think it's just good people get to hang out. Um, and you know, sometimes when you're writing, things are miscommunicated or not communicated clearly. It's you know hard to read things. But getting together with people, actually like having a a real community, I guess I would say, it, it's good for the hobby. Um, and it does. It it, it energizes you. It, it really like invigorates you. And you know, it's good to see other people. And you know, at least for me, I'm kind of isolated where I am, so there's not many other people interested in what I do. Um, unless I have to drive a little bit, so. You know, see, hanging out with those people again and, and having fun and catching up with them. It's a great, great venue. Um, like Bill said, you will never say, oh, I was so disappointed I went to Carpet Fest. Um, you will have fun, you will learn something, and you will laugh a lot. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned re-energizing, and uh, I know Eric, you uh, Eric and Owen, you guys touched on that on your show about, you know, when it does, it re-energizes you because we talked a little bit during the Carpet Fest about not only some of the highs of keeping reptiles, you know, but the lows too. There are lows keeping reptiles, a lot of disappointments. And those disappointments, uh, you know, you don't see that very much on social media. Uh, People either embarrassed to post it, they're... You know, they don't want to have egg on their face. They don't want to look, maybe they're not good. They're not a good keeper, but you know, carpet fest and in venues like them are a place where people can get together and they can talk about their failures, you know, a mm-hmm. lot easier and they can get support, you know, well, yeah, yeah, that happened to me too. Or yeah, I lost a couple of animals this year and you know, so that's, you know, I think that's another important part of that. Yeah, I would agree because it's, it's a lot easier to maybe open up to somebody when it's relaxed and it's just like you and maybe another person you can tell them hey you know uh been having a really weird year this happened and once you'd be surprised that once it kind of comes out how many times the guy across from you or girl goes yeah me too 
happened. It's been a weird season. Or, you know what, that happened to me last year. You know, it, it sucks. Right. Or, uh, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And it, and it kind of it, it gets the weight off your shoulders that you've been that you've been like kind of subconsciously carrying around because unfortunately with all of us, um, which the people on the show and then the people listening, when something goes wrong with our animals, we take it very personally, and yep. uh, it's one of those things that can definitely very much just just beat you until you don't want to do it anymore. We've all had the friends or even ourselves who are just like, that's it. I'm going to sell everything, call whoever I got to do. They're out of here. Um, yeah. And then these moments going to carpet fest, uh, going to Tinley park, those moments kind of just get you revitalized. Um, I was definitely having one of those years this year. Um, so going down to bills definitely kind of pumped it back up. And then I got back from bills and I was already feeling pumped. And then, my clutch of uh, super caramels was hatching. So now I'm like uh, yeah. higher than the yep. moon right now with my reptile collection. So it is, it's a very, very That's... nice recharge. Like it's like therapy. It's, you need it. Trust me. So. Yeah. That's some good carpet fest mojo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I'm kind of hoping I may actually have a female, drop eggs like she's due to drop eggs on carpet fest like uh, on this saturday so nice. bill, we, were, we were cleaning your animals bill and one of your ball python monstrosities dropped eggs and you were Royal. like you know we were all like oh so i don't know what it is so um i was <laughs> kind of hoping to channel your uh carpet I, fest I think it's, and i think it's gonna happen that'd nah, be nice I would, I, I would, I'd be happy with that clutch. So, hopefully, yeah, I bet, I bet. Yeah, that was cool to have, uh, have an animal, uh, literally laying during Carpet Fest, I and mean, she was pushing yep. eggs out the morning of Carpet Fest. That was, that was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Alexis, what about you? Did you, uh, I mean, do you ever have those? kind of down moments where you are just, you get, you know, like, you feel like it's a chore to go out to your snake room or you have bad luck with an animal and you just, you know, you want to talk about it, but you don't want the whole world to know about it. Yeah. I guess uh, my troubles have been with any males that I've got, whether it's carpets or green trees, for some reason, like every time I get a male, they don't eat for me right away. Like, mm. It's just weird, and I've never had a problem with any females, but it just literally seems like every male that I get, it doesn't eat. And then normally, it's just like like clockwork. Apparently, at like eight months of being in here, then they just all of a sudden start eating. Like I said, like I was talking to Matt um, over Carpet Fest weekend about um, a male that I had. Well, he when I got him, he was smaller, way smaller than he should have been. Like I got him, I think it was like 20 months old. And he was probably about the size of a yearling, like one of Buddy's animals. One of Buddy's animals, right? <laughs> no, no. But, uh, I haven't had to have the pleasure of having one of Buddy's animals yet. So, okay. But okay. uh, but yeah. So he just. I mean, I think I've had him probably in my collection for. I don't know, I guess like maybe eight or ten months. I can't remember how long it's been. But then literally like as soon as I came back, like, I mean, I offered him food every time 
you know, I feed all my other animals, and just for some reason, he, like, took it right away as soon as I came back from Carpet Fest. So I think that carpet, that gave me That's a Carpet thing. Fest? That's Carpet yeah. Fest mode? Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah, there, there you go. go. Right there. But, um, it's, so, it's uh, a little bit so depressing. jacket. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, you guys had s'mores? I want some. I'm hungry now. <laughs> no, it no, it was more like a male. It was more like a male combat thing. It smelled all the oh, yeah. the male cigar smoke on your jacket, and immediately just wanted to eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or please God, don't so send me the bills. I'll eat. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that's probably been like one of my major kind of like you know. I feel like sometimes it's like, you know, what am I doing wrong, or am I doing something wrong, and. You know, I mean, I I think that, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty good about talking to people about, like, you know, issues that I have because, like, for me, like, I love each and every one of them. Every single one of my animals has a name, you know, like, I'm pretty OCD about it. I check them multiple times a day, you know, and it's just, like, whenever something won't eat, it's, like, I feel like it's my fault. Like, I'm doing something wrong mm-hmm. or, you know. Yeah, that can be a real pain in the butt. I think most people, <laughs> most people t- tend to to panic when they don't eat, but, you know, I've, I've found, for me personally, they, they'll eat when they want to. You know, you can offer them food. Yeah, that's what I'm starting on, to but, learn now. Yeah. So, like, you, five five males later, I'm starting to realize that, you know, they'll they'll let me know whenever they're ready to eat. I mean, and, I mean, I haven't lost any of my males. They just decide to eat whenever they want to, and then whenever they do, then they pretty much eat every time. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think everything is just like a learning experience, and you learn as you go, and, like, I mean, I follow, like, all of the, the pages and stuff on, you know, green trees or carpets, and, you know, I just try to learn as I go to help, like, prevent any problems for, you know, futures that I might be able to recognize something if something comes up, you know, but. Definitely. Yeah, males are, there's a big learning curve on males for a lot of people, and just, you know, I think the key thing is not just to, to panic over it, uh, watch them to make sure they're not sick. But other than that, you know, they can go, you know, a long time. Six to eight months is, you know, not unheard of. Yeah, I'm sure stress has a lot to do with it being shipped. You know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but believe it or not, like, I mean, moving from Florida to Louisiana, like, for some reason, they all my green trees love it here. They have, like... <laughs> Thrive being in this environment, which I mean, I'm glad they like it. I'm not a fan, but if they like it, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You'll put up with it if they're good. Yeah. 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 I mean, (laughs) you look at them wrong and they stop eating sometimes. So as long as they're happy, it's it's fine. Yeah. So, uh, what was the, uh, Bill, was there like one animal at your place that everyone seemed to focus on that maybe attracted more attention than any other animal in your collection? I I don't need to answer this question, Um, (laughs) so I'm good. Everybody, yeah. Well, apparently you only looked at the rock tails, Ellen, so so maybe Bill might have a better... There were uh, other animals that Bill... (laughs) Owen thinks I have... That was a cat. Oh, is that your baby oh, crying? Is that a cat? <laughs> <laughs> Owen, tuck your baby. Owen, tuck your baby in. It's late. Hey, no hey, comment. Hey, there are 
I am an unproven male. There are no babies, all right? So, <laughs> uh, according to Eugene. Well, yeah. yeah. Yes, Eugene was correct. Un- you're an unproven male breeder or non-breeder. Yep. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Um, yeah, Owen thinks only thinks thinks I have only three snakes in my collection. Yeah, yeah three rough you. scales. Yep. As far as the other stuff, I really don't know if uh, there were, there was anything in particular that people are interested in. We have we got a lot of snakes out. Um, a lot of people like the rhinos, the rhino rat snakes. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, uh, you know, like the carpondros. Very unique, yeah, very Bill, interesting. You, a lot of people liked your carpondros. You have quite a few, yeah. and they're all so diverse. So, yeah, um, they're very I think that different. we should uh, touch base on what happened when you had the great white out. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> right. All right. Okay. Does right. uh, anyone want to talk okay. about that, or are we just pushing that under the rug? <laughs> no, I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to discuss it, but I'd rather hear <laughs> Owen's side of the story. All right. Um, Start from when I you was... took it out. Hand it right. to well, me. All right. Well, Hand it to you, um, and then I think it somehow it made its way to me again. Um, and I'm trying to make friends, and of course, Bill's like, we can take pictures. So we go outside, which is probably the best idea Bill had there, because now we're outside. And like the yeah. second we like sunlight hits this guy, he's like, you know what I should do? Go to the bathroom. <laughs> and he just unleashes. <laughs> and I'm like jumping back. He's peeing everywhere. Um, I, someone, I, I miraculously, I don't even know how I did it, got away from that unscathed. Uh, yeah, you did. I was but that was it. But it was just yeah. like, and then he just peed all over the front mat of uh, um, Bill's <laughs> snake room. And then I yeah. brought him over to the bushes because he wasn't done yet, so then uh, he then fertilized all the bushes in front of Bill Snakero. So if they're doing really well in springtime, it is because of what I did. Um, if they, they die, look, I don't they know look what fantastic. Happened. No, they Excellent. look fantastic. So uh, and then yeah, that, that just kind yeah. of happened. Yeah, very fitting that the Carpondro would take a dump on on you. Yeah, you got to hey. stop playing NPR in your snake room because they're gonna know. Like, like, hey, that's the guy who I recognize his voice. Yeah, I've heard him talk about me. Yeah, Yeah, the rough scales will love me. But if they were, yeah, if I handled any bullfights, I would have been the one that was bit. But they mistook Eric for me. So (laughs) I think that must that must have been what happened. That must have been what happened. So, but yeah, there was uh, there was almost a big problem if. because if he would have gotten me, like, in the chest, it would have been a uh, change of clothes time because we were getting ready to – Carpet Fest was, like, starting, and it yeah. would have been par for me to walk out and be like, well, I've been pissed on. Time to go change. See ya. <laughs> this, this is how we start Carpet Fest. So, yeah. Uh, well, he was, he's a gorgeous animal, that guy, um, the, the, the Carpondro. He's probably, out of all your little mutants there, he would probably yeah. be my favorite one. Because he just the, the the color on his back looks so just weird. Because um, you don't ever expect that color on a python like that. And then that complete yeah. white belly just kind of adds to it. So he 
would be my favorite. I think yeah, my very favorite rough. is the other Carpondro that Bill has. I can't remember his name, but he looks like an Easter egg. Bill, what is that one? Yes. Uh, that is not named at present because I'm not sure if it's male or female. Uh, but now we'll yeah, that's Easter egg from here on out. Oh, I like that. I like that. That's a very neutral, gender-neutral name. I like that. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that's a very bizarre-looking uh, animal. And, again... Yeah, with uh, all the pastel colors on it, it's just, the, like, the blues yeah. and yellows, and it looks, like, almost pink somewhat, like, just yeah. literally like a tie-dyed Easter egg. Yep, yep, I agree. He's very bizarre-looking. But so yeah, to answer Buddy your initial question, I guess the the Carpondros are were the ones that most people thought were the most unique, and that's not the ex- I mean that's the rule kind of when people uh, come into the room, and a lot of people that come into into my room are are royal python people. They've never seen a carpet or a green tree in person. A lot of them, uh, but they always levitate to the Carpondros for for some reason. Yeah. I don't you know, know why. Well. I find that in Carpet Fest, uh, some of the guests to your house, if you're hosting Carpet Fest, uh, they're interested in seeing animals that some of which they have never handled or held or sure. seen in person. Yep. Um, yep. Last year's Carpet Fest, uh, Romulus, like I held him for five minutes. Romulus was is my, one of my was one of my uh, rough scale pythons. I held him for five minutes, and I think I passed him off to like Bill. And then I didn't yep. see that animal again for like three hours. And by the time yeah, I eventually right. tracked him down, somebody else was handing him back to me. So it's one of those things where now I can see animals that I've seen pictures of, I've never had interactions with. Um, and it, it's just one of those things that adds to what people really want at a Carpet Fest. And what's funny is, is that after Carpet Fest, Bill got rough scales. Uh, Jamie got rough scales. Um, yep. And uh, there were there were a few people. Like it was just like bam, 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 bam. Everybody got pairs or trios. Like they went out and bought them all. So it just is yeah. one of those things where now that you've seen the animal and you kind of held it, and I think that happens all the time with us at like snake shows, or it's like you know I've been thinking about this animal. I've never actually seen it in person, but now that I've held it. I got to have it. So that, that kind of helps out with it too. So with Bill's place, you got the Carpondros that you've never seen in person. You've got the rhinos that you've really kind of never seen, um, the roughies and a lot of the green trees. So it's what's not in your collection that you really kind of want to gravitate towards and look at poke. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I had no interest in rough scale pythons. Um, just because, just based on the pictures, the pictures can't yeah. do them justice to the animal themselves. And no, I mean they they rarely do. But rough scales are the even the uh, even more exceptionally like that. I think because the feel of them you just mm. can't get from any other uh, you know python that I've ever handled anyway. And so nah. you know when I got got up there. Uh, it's not only the way they feel with those chelated scales, but their personality is very unique. Yes. Um, you know, to Python, to the pythons at least that I keep, and so I was hooked immediately. Yeah, and and, and I'll take credit too for uh, Buddy's budding diamond collection, 
and uh, <laughs> we'll just say that happened here too. So, uh, spread yeah, the love. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think of hey, all buddy, of us. Go ahead. I mean, I mean, buddy, I, as, as bad as you can get me with diamonds, you have to remember that at one point you gave me a baby carpon, a baby green tree python, and said, "Go to town." So, right. if ever there's another, you know, I'm down to one green tree right now. But the second I start building up more, every green tree in my collection is your fault. So it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. crack. Okay, crack dealer. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So well, you know, Ellen's uh, quite a, can be a great enabler. And I called and was talking to him about you know diamond pythons, and you know did did he think I could keep them the way that I wanted to? And you know, Ellen's like, yes, yes. Yes, 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 get them, yes, get them. <laughs> Buy it. Why is yes, yes, man. <laughs> of course. Why are you still talking so, to people? Buy your diamonds, yeah. So. That's right. Matt Morris, do you keep any other animals other than chondros? I can't remember. Um, not really, but uh, after this last trip to uh, West Texas, I'm probably going to start <laughs> doing gray bands. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I do keep uh, I do have a ball python that I use for uh, hands on when I do I, I talk to elementary kids occasionally and uh, it's a good snake to have a you know a hands on uh, something they can see and up close uh, but that's mm-hmm. you know I use that one for garbage disposal uh, but yeah that's it I mean, I've done lots of other things but uh, you know chondros I tend to have to focus on one thing uh, I, there's too many other things I want to do but uh, especially after, you know, something like Copter Fest, when you talk to all these people that are keeping these different animals, uh, it really, you know, it's like, damn, I, I want to keep that now, you know. So it's, uh, right. <laughs> I have to draw the line somewhere, and, and, and Condros is where I'm, I'm sticking for right now. But like I said, after this last trip to West Texas and, and getting this, you know, it's, a, it's not a, a real rare snake, but this locality that we found that was pretty, pretty, well, it's not well known. And so I may try to get a uh, female, and, and uh, the three of us that went out there, we may try to do a, a breeding uh, together with it. So we'll see. But for right now, it's just nice. green trees and one ball python. And, uh, Alexis, you're the only amphibian uh, keeper of the group, I think. I think so. <laughs> I um, I don't know. I guess I, I just love – the colors of everything like just it's so fascinating to me how nature is just can produce something so beautiful you know I started with the carpets and I love their patterns and as soon as I found the green trees and all their colors it was all over from there but the amphibians I um I'm not even sure how I got into the dart frogs um probably just seeing them around at shows but (laughs) I uh I keep um, golden Mantellas. I actually found those with Bill at the was it the Arlington NARBC yeah. at the beginning yep. of the year. Um, right. It's actually a species that I had been looking for for probably a couple years, and it was pretty pretty surprising to find them at that show. So um, I got a pair of those. Um, they're pretty much like the males are more of like a darker red with these deep black eyes, and the females are more of an orange color with the same color eyes and um, I also have painted mantellas, which are, they're like metallic green, and they got like 
orange legs with tiger stripes and I just um I personally love like just keeping them in like the the vivariums and stuff I love all the flowers and it's just it's very soothing it's like a fish tank to me which is kind of one of the reasons why I like green trees I like putting them in you know somewhat natural looking environments and I don't know just I guess it's just my form of a fish tank like even though they don't like move around that much it's still just as satisfying looking at them because they're just so pretty with their colors they almost look fake so you may be uh and you you gentlemen correct me if i'm wrong but you may be the only one of us that keeps green trees in kind of naturalistic type setups yeah i think it's um well like with my collection like i mean it's it's growing pretty fast now but i just like um you know, trying to keep the animals in, you know, their natural environments. Um, I feel like it maybe helps them with stress, whether that's true or not, I'm not sure. But, I mean, me keeping mine, like, I have, like, natural wood perches. You know, I like to keep them with uh, either some type of moss substrate or, um, you know, moist, like, you know, cocoa fiber and stuff like that. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Just the way that I keep them, it seems like they really enjoy it. I like keeping, like, you know, plants in them, and, you know, they like to hide, and I don't know, it just, them feeling more secure with having, like, more foliage and coverage just makes them more active, I feel, and, you know, I mean, of course, and it's always visually appealing, too, you know, just watching them. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it makes sense, you know, it makes sense that they would, you know, that the animal would like the protection of, whether it's even fake or artificial, uh, uh, you know, hide spots, branches, and, and non-PVC poles and that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I think that certainly makes sense. Uh, I say that being the complete opposite of that, as you know. You know, my yeah. setups are strict, strictly functional, you know, as bare bone, as minimal, and just uh, really probably as ugly of setups as as you can come up with, but yeah, well, there's you know, less and, and maintenance my, doing it that way. Well, there's less mm-hmm. maintenance in my side of the, my side of the story is, is that if the animal's pretty enough, then nobody's going to be looking at, you know, at the caging. So, yeah, you know, there's many, many different ways to skin, skin a cat as we've talked about on this show many, many times. Yeah. If you have a large collection that those natural vivariums are, they're hard to keep clean. Yeah, that's definitely true. They do look good, mm-hmm. though. Yeah, yeah they do. I do it for me mainly. I don't have, like, people, you know, coming over to see my collection or not. Like, it's it's strictly just for me. Like, it's, it's very, like, when I'm stressed out or anything, like, I just like to come in my snake room. And, like, I literally can just sit here, you know, and just, like, watch them. Like, it's, you know, like I was saying earlier, like, you know, a fish tank. It's just very de-stressing, mm-hmm. and I just admire yeah. them. Like, there's so fascinating to me anything you know like I keep green trees I probably have the majority of green trees I have some carpets I have a rainbow I have a diamond python I have quite a few zebras you know just I love all the diversity and I guess that's one of the reasons why I love green trees so much is like no one is the same you know you can have you know like pure roots or sarongs or anything and they're still always different you know just I really like that about like just snakes in general yeah, I, I mean, that's probably one of the best, like, uh, every once in a while when I go down to Buddy's place, 
because he's nearby and he likes to taunt me with green tree pythons. He'll go through <laughs> the fins and cages from a clutch, and each drawer, they're all related. They all came from the same parents, but each drawer is they, – they look so drastically different, it's crazy. Um, so, I mean, that you can – that you can have that in an animal is probably one of the most appealing parts of green trees is that, and also in my mind, one of the most frustrating. So it's like <laughs> open the drawer and it's completely different. So that's, what's awesome. Um, but I did not know Alexis kept dart frogs. That's something I wanted to keep. So one day. I actually built Bill a little vivarium for, I'm trying to get him into frogs that I, in the midst of school and trying to get over there to Texas and beat the storm, I forgot it at home. So, Oh, no. I know. Right, well. Oh, no. I have another excuse to go back to Texas. Oh, crap. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yep. That's what I was going to say. I bring this tank to Bill. Damn it. So, yep. <laughs> the, next, uh, the next Arlington NARBC would be a good opportunity. Yeah. That time is, so it's right in that time there. So. When is the next one? Um, I don't know. I'll have to look and see. I think maybe September. Oh, okay. Good. Not too far away. I can deal with it, I guess. Not too far. I can wait. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, she can throw a frog in there, and then she'll be happy with it. See ya. There you go. Yeah, start loading it up, Alexis. <laughs> Yep. Well, you definitely you got to pick out the ones you like at the NARBC and they, uh, I was up there. I did. And the better now. Yeah. Bill can go shopping. I did. Well, <laughs> yeah. Alexis knows what I like now. There you go. Yep. Next thing you know, everybody's going to be having it. All you guys are going to be like, "Oh, well, I want them now." And <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's usually how it goes. So, um, Ellen, I got a, a question for you real quick. All right. Um, just uh, for anyone that's listening and they're like, wow, maybe I want to go to this uh, next Carpet Fest, the Northeast Northeast mm-hmm. Carpet Fest, can you uh, tell everyone where they can find information about the event, like the address, uh, the auction? Um, all right. You know, if they want to bring food um, or something like that, where, where would they go to get all that information? Of course. Um, the location of Northeast Carpet Fest is a closely guarded, hidden secret. In order to get it, you have to solve several riddles that have been laid out at numerous reptile shows across the United States. Um, no, that's not true. So, um, if you look up Northeast Carpet Fest on Facebook.com, uh, it will take you to the Northeast Carpet Fest Facebook page. Uh, give it a like or poke around. I'm pretty sure you can get the info right off of there. You can also go to MoreliaPythonRadio.com, and there are links and information about all the Carpet Fests throughout the United States on that website. Um, You can definitely go there. As far as the address, it is 136 Hopewell Street, Birdsboro, Pennsylvania. Um, If you are coming, please just drop either myself or Eric Burke a line letting us know that you are coming, how many people you are bringing. And at this point, we have so many people coming bringing so much food. I've pretty much opened it up to you can bring where the hell you want because I got (laughs) enough appetizers, I got enough entrees, and I got enough desserts. So at this point, 
like I think uh, think somebody asked me this week, what can I bring? And I'm like a shit ton of ice because I got everything else. So <laughs> um, it's it's one of those things that I mean we're we're having uh, Howard's coming from Maryland and he's bringing a bushel of Maryland crabs. He's gonna cook them out back. Nice. Uh, Eric's bringing roast beef. Zach is bringing mojito chicken. Um, um clam chowder coming from. Oh yeah, like clam chowder is coming down from Massachusetts. We're we're there's a there's gonna be a lot of freaking food, and that's probably the one reason I love hosting Carpafest is I don't gotta go food shopping for like three weeks after <laughs> Carpafest. I just live off of what everybody leaves. So um, if you do want to come, and and I and uh, please do. If you haven't contacted me and it's like the day before, I don't care. Just come because I'd much rather people come uh, and just kind of like be a little sorry about surprising us over not coming because they think that they can't. It is an open event. There is no invites. There is no, hey, man, I know we haven't really spoken. I don't need to know who the hell you are. Just come over uh, and enjoy yourself. Talk to some people. And it's one of those things where you learn more and more about people just by talking. And my favorite thing is you sit down, you start talking to people, phones come out, pictures start getting swapped. Like I'm going to be waiting for Alexis to breed half of her green tree pythons because of what <laughs> she showed me on her phone. So yeah, yeah, it's like, nice, all right. That's nice yep. So you, you definitely come out and do it and come out and enjoy yourselves. So actually, I hear that a few people who are driving in, uh, Birdsboro is apparently uh, – big on rock climbers because we have a quarry nearby. So apparently some of the people that are driving in are trying to set up a rock climb in the morning and then come to Carpet Fest at three o'clock in the afternoon. So very good. I love that. Yeah. And apparently we're all going to go, and I can't say herping because in Pennsylvania you have to have a fishing license to go herping. So on Sunday, we're all going to wander around the woods and uh, maybe stumble <laughs> across reptiles and stuff. So, um, that's what we're going to do. And this is the second year that we've kind of tried to plan something for everybody to do on the Sunday. Um, and, uh, it, it's cool. I mean, uh, I've gotten more and more people asking to come and, uh, information about hotels and stuff. Uh, just please, if you're looking for a hotel, you can Google my zip code, uh, one nine five Oh eight. Uh, in Birdsboro, Pennsylvania, there's several motels and hotels nearby. Um, if it gets bad enough, I will always allow somebody who should not be driving to sleep on a floor. I have lots of floor space, and you are welcome to Very the good. floor. So it's again, we we hope I hope to be doing this in like 20 years when it's like the 20th Carpet Fest. So Very good. Yeah. What about the auction? The auction is Eric and I are going to set that up this week. Uh, okay. The auction will go live on the Facebook page um, probably on Tuesday because then okay. everybody who can't make it to Carpet Fest can bid on the items on the Facebook page. And then if you come to Carpet Fest, you kind of have like last licks. If you want this item, you can outbid the person who put a bid on it online or if nobody at Carpet Fest wants it because that was one thing we kept having the auctions, but people kept buying animals for like $8 and stuff like that when somebody online would have bid all the way up to like a hundred something. So it's kind of that way where if the people at carpet fest who are standing there don't want what the item is, it goes to whoever really wanted it. Who's online. That's fine. 
So that'll be okay. opened up this week. Uh, so far, I know Eric's doing a voucher. I'm doing a voucher. We have some T-shirts from Australia. Uh, one of them's got this beautiful rough scale python on it. Um, and the other one has a knobby gecko. Um, and we're cool. we're going to get a few more people. Um, I know Nick's going to be there. Hashem's going to be there. So we're probably going to get some vouchers out of those guys. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Very good. Yep. You'll get a voucher from me, too. Nice. I might nice bid on that. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to beat Bill. I do. <laughs> well, Bill's, not here this, Bill's not here this time. So I, I already know where Bill's at. I mean, he can only build a bid online. I can beat him here. So. <laughs> and and so, Matt, what day are you leaving from Texas to drive up to the uh, the event in, in uh, Pennsylvania to provide the barbecue for us? <laughs> Today. Yeah, bring he, in your He's got to leave cooker. now. Yeah. <laughs> Trailer in tow, huh? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wish I could do that one, man. The timing's bad for me, but I'd love to. I'm going to do that one of these days. I, I do. Okay. For sure. That'd be awesome. Yeah, Bill, Bill came last year, and Buddy always shows up. I mean, again, if I had to pick an item that I probably lived off of for the past, like, for like a few days after. Buddy bought a bunch of macaroni and cheese to last year's Carpet Fest, so that was like food. That was like breakfast, lunch, dinner at Owen's house. It was awesome. So <laughs> nice. The one thing I failed to mention, Owen, was that mm. you actually brought a dessert, a Philly dessert I down. Did. Well, yeah. Carpet Fest. My those things were good. <laughs> what were the, they're horrible. Boys. What were the name they're of them? Horrible. <laughs> and and it's one of those and I told Eric I'm like I brought tasty cakes he's like why I'm like because they don't have tasty cakes in you know Texas no, or no, never, never goes, heard of these people live yeah so it we yeah brought, I brought tasty cakes and he yelled at me because I brought the wrong ones apparently so oh no right yeah what, what are the right what are the right ones what, the, what didn't you bring? the right ones are heat he thinks the right ones were the candy cakes, which is their cake uh, with peanut butter that have been dipped in chocolate. I brought butterscotch crimpets and uh, buttercream cupcakes. So okay, yes, yeah. uh, they were both the very good. Tasty cakes, yeah. So well, I wouldn't argue, Eric. I mean, he's in the biz, you know. He, no, ignore I mean, him. <laughs> he's <laughs> yeah, he is. No. You know, he sells that stuff, right? I mean, he's probably got it. Yeah, but store. I like to argue with him, like, all the time, all the time. <laughs> Even if he knows better, I'll keep arguing with him. It's fine. I, I know you I know you do. I know. Yeah. Like an old married couple. <laughs> yep, pretty much they at this like, point. They're like, the, they're, they're like the odd couple, actually. Nice. <laughs> Buddy, anything else? For the guests, yes, we need to talk. Ask them about. We need to ask our guests about what they do for quarantine. Mm. Okay, yes, excellent. Owen, why don't you start? I have a completely separate, dedicated room for quarantine. It's uh, downstairs is the snake room in my basement, and then upstairs I have a small office, which I have uh, one uh, four foot cage and one rack for babies. Um, and it just happens to be they have a 90-day quarantine in there, and that's 90 days of uninterrupted, nothing bad. 
so they have to they shed up there, they poop up there, and they grow and they get fed up there. And um, after 90 days, they can be introduced to the general public down in the basement. And sometimes during those 90 days, if a new animal enters quarantine, the entire room is reset for a 90-day quarantine. So okay. um, I've had I've had some animals up there that it's like, well, you know, you should probably go downstairs. I mean, you've almost had you for a year now, but unfortunately, people keep coming and you can't reset. So um, that was something I learned when I was doing the. Uh, working at a zoo and that's a lot of times that's what they do with their quarantine measures is it has to be 90 days of uninterrupted um no problems so okay makes sense yeah that's a yeah that's a very good point because i also have a quarantine room in and mm-hmm. that i will introduce multiple animals in but you're right it's that 90 day running period it's not 90 days mm-hmm. it's 90 days after you introduce the last animal in there mm-hmm Yep. Uh Alexis, what about you? I mean, I know you've uh you've been collecting, increasing your collection. Um do you quarantine your animals? Do you have the ability to do it? Um yeah, I kind of do a little uh what well, I guess to start, I do a lot of research on where I'm getting my green trees or where I'm That's getting important. my animals from. I kind of mm-hmm. uh I really try and make sure like you know, I mean, I'm pretty new with, you know, learning everybody's names and, you know, who's, you know, reputable and everything. And I guess whenever there's an animal that I'm interested in, like, I do my research and try to figure out lineage of everything that I can. And then I ask, like, people that I do know and trust about about them and if they know, like, the breeder, if, you know, there's any problems or anything like that, you know, um, I try to do a lot of research. And then if I do choose to get the animal, then... I keep them separate also for a while. Um, I'd say, like, mine is probably about, like, 60 days. Um, I just keep them all separate. And I guess, um, you know, I just I try to watch them really closely, just make sure, sure everything is, you know, copacetic and good. And um, I, I guess I just, you know, really just try to make sure I'm getting something from somebody that, you know, I definitely know or know somebody who knows them for sure. Yeah, I guess that's probably one of my main things that I do is I'm worried about, you know, the health of an animal. One thing I've noticed is the, like, the older an animal that I get, like, the more, I guess, like, not necessarily trouble, but, like, I I would definitely recommend, like, trying to get babies and raise them up yourself Mm -hmm. and trying to get adults and stuff because, you know, when you're transferring an animal whenever it's, like, you know, sub-adult or adult, it just seems like it stresses them out more and, you know, it makes more problems and stuff. So that's something else that I look for. So. Yeah, I think we, we'd all agree on, on that. Uh, wouldn't you say, uh, agree, buddy? Yep, Condros. absolutely. Yeah, yep. yeah it's, it's not that it can't be done, but uh, you're taking a much more of a risk uh, introducing and acclimating an adult, especially a Condro. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I deal with, with the ball pythons and the carpet pythons and they tend to not be, uh, they be more resistant to that stress, but, uh, certainly adult, adult chondros, you're, you're kind yeah. of rolling the dice with those. Yeah, definitely. Like I've, um, most of my like chondros that I've got, I've gotten as, you know, pretty much as, as young as you can, you know, and like the, the younger they are, the, 
the better, like, they adjust to a new environment. Um, it yeah. seems, like I said, uh, I've gotten a couple that are, you know, like 18 to 20 months old, you know, like sub-adult size. And, like, those are the ones that have more trouble, like, acclimating into, like, a new environment, wherever it may be. Whether it's, like, a long, you know, distance or a short distance, it seems to just be a little bit harder that way. Right. Yeah, I think there's an, another way to look at this that I that I think, um, you know, the quarantine, you know, you're you're trying to prevent stuff coming into your collection, and that's that's the first step in my opinion. The other part is, you know, you have to also slowly um, introduce your this, this incoming snake into the, the bacteria and the stuff that's in your water and in your environment. Uh, I think that's just equally as important. Yeah. yeah. I agree. That's a great point. Yep, that's a great point. So Matt, you want to take it a little bit further? How do you how oh, do you yeah. quarantine when when you do? Yeah, I, um, basically, uh, pretty much of what Owen said. Um, I've got uh, you know a separate room where I can put them, and uh, I do a little longer. I um, I had a, a bad experience at one point with a an incoming snake and. Uh, even though I quarantined, you know, what I thought was the appropriate amount of time, it's still, you know, it still ended up having issues. And so I usually go about 90, let's see, probably 90 days in a separate room, and then I'll I'll put it another 90 days um, in the snake room, but still under what I consider my quarantine protocol. You know, I'll, I'll use, um, I'll only clean that cage, and, and then I'll go, you know, do extreme you know, cleaning on everything that touches it. I'll wear, you know, gloves or whatever uh, to help with that. Um, so it's, you know, 90 days plus 90 more days. Um, so so it's a longer time, but uh, I feel like it's necessary. And even then, you know, you, you still can get stuff. But, but mm-hmm. uh, right. that's, that's fairly fairly safe. Maybe, maybe it's overkill, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I've seen a lot of issues uh, sometimes with, with uh, animals that haven't been uh, quarantined long enough. And I think that's actually I think that's a, a one of the major problems with the stuff that we have going around nowadays. People just don't they don't take this serious enough, and they don't they'll you know get uh, an unknown animal. You know, doing the research is fine, and you and you definitely lessen your chances. But uh, with all this stuff coming in and getting passed around, people that that don't follow these protocols for green trees, but also the other snakes, if they keep multiple sta- snake species, you know, there's no telling what's going around in there. So, right. Um, answer the question <laughs> yes and I, I know you guys had touched base on it earlier but um I you know I, I agree like I've seen a lot of you know like people are trying to sell snakes like you know green trees especially and a lot of them are now imports and I feel like within the last six months a lot of people are trying to bring them in and you know oh it's a lower price and you know get these they're pure and I, I think that that might cause some problems for a lot of people down the road you know especially mm-hmm. for people that are inexperienced and don't you know don't know how like first off sensitive that you know like green trees are and you know and their illnesses and stuff I mean they, they can, you can't see them like you know they can be full of parasites or something you might not know I mean if you're inexperienced or anything so I think that that might start causing problems with people you know, selling them into people's collections that don't, you know, that don't know about, like, proper quarantine procedures not, or anything I, like that. 
Not good beginner snakes for for people just getting into it. That's for sure. No. 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 Oh. Nope. What 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 I don't understand is that when when people make the jump into Green Tree, buy it from some guy's table that they saw at a reptile show, they're kind of selling themselves short when they could have somebody in their back pocket who is an experienced breeder who you can bother at like eleven o'clock at night when the thing has it <laughs> three times, and you're this experienced carpet python breeder and you just sound like an idiot talking to the guy you got this chondro from, and he's like, did you try it at night, Owen? And it's like, yeah. So there's various <laughs> other things that you can make you feel a little bit better when you have this, you know, by the way, the calico is eating fine, buddy. But it's one of those things that you, you are, in my opinion, yeah, okay, this one's cheaper, but I can get help if I need it. And, it, and, and green trees are one of those species that you can do everything correctly and they can still throw a wrench in anything just because of one thing could be off or one thing could be different from where they were, were previously, and now I'm not going to eat, and now I'm this little fragile snake on a stick that you're really, really worried about. So, mm-hmm. so pay, true. pay the extra money and get it from the breeder. So that's just what I keep telling people. But Well, I mean, not only are you going to get no – customer, I mean, you're going to get an imported animal that's potentially mm-hmm. sick, you're probably going to get zero customer support from that source. So it's really, oh, yeah. it's a double it's a double whammy. You're getting an animal that's set up to have problems, and then you're g- getting it from a person that probably is not going to be able to help you. So, boy, just really setting yourself up for a, for a fail, especially if you're, uh, if you're a new keeper. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Matt's been around a long time. He can tell you there, it, it never ends. There's always, it's always yep. the same, um, same story, um, usually the same outcome. You know, mm-hmm. bought a snake on the cheap because I always wanted one of these. And uh, they just yeah. they just come with a lot of, you know, come with a lot of problems. Um, yeah, it's just not, it's not you a, know, it, um, Way to do a beginner snake, you know. Nope. In my no. Opinion. And not only just seems you, you just don't don't know, you know. Are they carrying a a virus um, or a bacteria that you know has not been introduced? You know that is could be lethal to a collection. So uh-huh. it's, it's scary. I'm sorry, Bill. What were we gonna say? I was going to say, and there seems to be an endless supply of these animals coming. Yeah. I mean, they, they just, right. it just never stops. They're just, you know, there's just an endless supply of them uh, coming over to this country and I'm sure to Europe too. Uh, but they're just, they're, they're just always there. And I think they're, they've always been there. Uh, but I think with, you know, the Facebook and the, the social media availability to post these animals, it just, it seems like there's even more than ever. Mm-hmm. I agree. David uh, Haston and I were talking, um, going back and forth, just chatting a, a week or so ago, and uh, I was asking him, you know, do you think it's it's the same number or that um, it's just because, you know, everyone can see it on Facebook, or do you think they're, they're actually bringing in more? And we were just going yeah. back and forth, and he uh, – he kind of thought that he 
to him it seemed as though the numbers that were the true captive uh, bred animals that were leaving Indo appeared to be down. And so he was wondering if they were trying to make up the vo- you know make up the volume with uh, the wild caughts. You know, to me it, it seems like it's you know more prevalent, but you know. I haven't done the research on it, and I kind of try to stay away from it because I'm not interested in those animals. But, um, you know, I don't know whether we just see it more and it seems like it's more or, or what's going on, but it certainly is interesting. Um, and it and it's coming from people who really aren't in the condor community. I don't know whether they just figured, I, just, I can just probably just buy these animals and, and sell them quickly just because they're green tree pythons. So mm-hmm. you try yeah. to take advantage of an unsuspecting uh, person who's not really savvy on all the terms and, and all that stuff, which, you know, Matt did a great job with uh, David writing, you know, giving definitions to what is, you know, what is a true captive bred animal? What is, a, you know, what is a farm bred animal? And, and hey, you know, these little things that you see, and if you read Matt's descriptions, I mean, you'll see some of these ads, like they'll say, you know, captive born and bred, you know, Beox or whatever. U.S. captive born and bred Beox. And the breeder I bought them from didn't have pictures of the parents because uh, the parents died. <laughs> and, okay, okay, well, the parents died, did, did, but did he take any pictures of the female, you know, laying eggs? Or did he have any pictures of the, the, the you know, the baby's hatching or, or copulation or anything like that? You know, it's so easy to photo document what's yeah, going on yeah. in your collection um, that, you know, there's really no reason why you wouldn't have that type of stuff unless they're not what you're claiming they are. Of course. Yep. But I I believe that a lot of people see the price tags for baby chondros, and that's why they buy up baby chondros. And it's at the point now where you'll see other Facebook groups that are just like fan pages for this person or that person. Um, And they'll have auctions and some of the auction items will be, I don't even want to, they're not hatchlings because they're not that tiny, but we're talking maybe close to under a year, baby chondros for auction. And they get one at like $200 or $250 a piece and the person's like, yeah, yep. I got this great deal, but now they got a baby contro, and they're like, well, it's not a, it's not an import. Yes, it is. Just because you got yeah. it from this person here does not mean that it, it. No, it's an import. Somebody else brought it, and he bought it, and he bought it for probably way cheaper than what he auctioned it off to you for because that's how that works. But yeah, now you have to deal with this baby contro. So yep. I, I found that is increasing more and more. Yeah, so. that's one of the reasons that we did the guide is, you know, to, to maybe save some of these animals that, that, you know, all these imports coming in. A lot of these guys don't have any clue what they're getting into. And, you know, hopefully this guide, if they you know, if they find it and can be, you know, showed where it's at, you know, maybe some of these snakes yeah. can actually make it. Yeah, and, and even you're not just saving the animals. You're also saving – if I had spent – if I was just getting into or just building my collection and I burned out like $350 on a baby animal, 
you better believe I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, this is, I'm only going to spend this on something I really, really want, and then I keep it. You're also saving future keepers because if that thing then dies, maybe I lose all taste for keeping chondros and all taste for even keeping reptiles. Just call it a day and it's done. Or, you know, you're you're saving a lot of heartbreak here too with that guy. So, yeah, absolutely. So, you know. Yep. And, you know, some of the attitude is also, well, I've only spent, you know, X amount of dollars on it, so if it doesn't do well Man. or it dies, well, you know, I'm not losing anything and that type no of thing. No incentive which is, there. That, that's not right. a good thing to think. <laughs> nope. It's <laughs> not a nice thing to think. It's still, uh, whether it's a $40 corn snake or a $2,000, you know, green tree, it's still an animal, so you still got to, you know, keep track of it and make sure it's okay. So absolutely, you know, that's no way. That's no way to think. But I could see that happening. Yeah, very easily. Mm. All right, guys. I think we're going to uh, wrap it up for this evening. All right. Cool. It's ten, it's ten o'clock right on the dot. Central time. All right. The bill turns into a pumpkin at ten thirty. Central time. Ten oh five. No, right. no. Well, we can't thank you guys enough for coming on and uh sharing the Carpet Fest experience and uh Owen, uh, of course we wish you all the luck uh with your Carpet Fest next weekend. Uh I'll be there thank in you. spirit. I'll I'll probably be uh texting or calling during the fiasco. If, if I don't respond as the night progresses, you know I'm having a good time. So, yeah, or the, the text become jumbled or illegible. Yeah, it, okay. So, stay away from cornhole. Yeah, explain cornhole. I, I, I one quick question. For, yeah. Yeah. What What was the decision on the margarita machine? Frozen margarita Margarita machine. <laughs> margarita machine. Yeah, we had to hold off on the off margarita that. machine. Yeah, I, I, we, I, we had to hold off on the margarita machine. I okay. do have a right. blender and margarita mix, and I have a shit ton of tequila. So <laughs> I may be making my own margaritas, and you know, forget okay. people. But um, the and I actually looked for a set of uh, a cornhole set to keep. And I could not find one that was as nice as yours, Bill. So I'm waiting, <laughs> and I will get my own set, and it'll be mine because that was a fun you'll have, game. So yeah, you'll have to do what I did: order it cornhole.com. Oh my God! <laughs> oh, well, that can oh, well. <laughs> I see, now we know why your computer crashed, Ellen. No, I'm reluctant to type that into a web. <laughs> that, that might be right. I, I really am. <laughs> I, I think so, we have our second show. I think we have our second show sponsor. Yeah. Corn, oh dear God. Corn, corn dot com. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, guys. All right. Thanks. With that, uh, with that we better we better wrap it up. Awesome. All right. Take care, guys. Good night. Guys. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a great night. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Keeper Radio between the Carpet Fests. Uh, hopefully, we will see you at a Carpet Fest soon. And stay tuned for a upcoming show within the next six weeks with a couple other of well-known Condor readers.
talk to you soon. Bye.